O Mother of Perpetual Help, Thou art the dispenser of all the goods which God grants to us miserable sinners. And for this reason He has made Thee so powerful, so rich, and so bountiful, that Thou mayest help us in our misery. Thou art the advocate of the most wretched and abandoned sinners who have recourse to Thee. Come then to my help, dearest mother, for I recommend myself to Thee. In Thy hands I place my eternal salvation, and to You do I entrust my soul. Count me among Thy most devoted servants. Take me under Thy protection, and it is enough for me. For if Thou protect me, dear mother, I fear nothing not from my sins, because thou wilt obtain me the pardon of my sins, nor from the devils, because thou art more powerful than all hell together, nor even from Jesus, my judge himself, because one prayer from thee and he will be appeased. But one thing I fear, that in the hour of temptation I may neglect to call on thee and thus perish miserably. Obtain for me then the pardon of my sins, love for Jesus, final perseverance, and the grace always to have recourse to Thee, O Mother of perpetual help. That is a prayer to Mary found in a book recommended by the Roman Catholic Church known as the Devotions in Honor of Our Mother of Perpetual Help. Would you open your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 6, please? 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 6. And when you are there, I would invite you to stand for the reading of God's Word. First Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 6. Thus saith the Lord... First of all then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. This bars the reading of God's word. Would you please be seated? Advent is officially here. And during this time, it's not uncommon for Christians to lament whenever secular things overshadow the meaning of Christmas. Right? Whether it's presents or Santa Claus or consumerism, Christians are rightly concerned to, as some say, keep Christ in Christmas. Uh, but it's important to know that secular things are not the only things that have distracted the people of God from the true meaning of Christmas historically. Even religious traditions, Religious customs have crept into the church and have taken our gaze off of Christ. And many of those traditions, unfortunately, sadly, involve Mary, the mother of our Lord. 
Mary is a wonderful woman of God who obviously played a vital, indispensable role in the Christmas story. She is the one who gave birth to the Son of God, and Christmas is all about celebrating the birth of the Son of God. However, as godly as she is, and as important as her role is to the Christmas story, legends about her have grown over time. This has happened both in the Eastern part of the world, in the Eastern Church, and in the Western Church, where we as Protestants reside. And these legends greatly distract people from giving their full attention and, more importantly, full honor, which is due to Christ at Christmas time. So, we're going to spend our Advent season this year clarifying our stance on these myths of Mary. We will embark on a five week series, I cornily, cornily, is that a word? Cheesily, with corny intentions titled Merry Christmas, but it's spelled M-A-R-Y. And what we're going to do in our sermon series, Merry Christmas, is we're going to set the record straight on these popular and ever-cherished traditions and then redirect them to Jesus to make sure that we are keeping Him as the true focus of our Advent year. We're going to begin our series today with a belief that doesn't involve Mary exclusively, but she is the chief role. She, she serves as the chief role in this practice. And the theology we're going to look at today for our sermon is known as the invocation of the saints, also known as praying to the saints. To invoke someone is to simply seek their aid. So the doctrine of the invocation of the saints is when people on earth invoke the aid of Christians who have already died. They pray to Christians in heaven, and they ask these Christians to intercede in their life, and they ask these Christians to be the, 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 the channel that takes their prayers to Jesus, who then takes those prayers to God. Now, the reason it's called the invocation of the saints is because you have to remember, in these traditions, they don't really teach what we call the sainthood of all believers, we say every Christian is a saint, but in these traditions, saint is something that a church has to formally give to, a title formally given to someone, and it's always given to someone who lived an exemplary life of godliness. So you can't just pray to any old person who died. You can only pray to canonized saints, and when you pray to them, you can ask them to help you in your life, and you can ask them to bring your prayers to Jesus, who will then bring those prayers to God. And chief among the saints, according to these other groups, is Mary. She is said to be the most glorious and the most important of all of God's creations. She is said to be, other than Christ, obviously, other than Christ, she is said to be the most holy person who has ever lived. And so as we read in our introduction, millions of people, you might even potentially be able to say billions of people, all around the world are constantly wrapped up in praying to Mary. All over the world, all year round, Mary is prayed to by people who claim the name of Christ. And so this raises our question, should we pray to Mary? Should our church be engaged in the practice of praying to Mary and to the saints? And the answer of our church is an unequivocal no. We should not be praying to the saints. We should not be praying to Mary. And I want to give you three reasons why we reject the practice of praying to Mary. 
The first reason is that praying to the saints is absent from Scripture. Right? I, I don't have a Bible verse to take you to in this one because my argument is that a Bible verse of a, such a kind doesn't exist. There's no verse to turn to. We have to begin our arguments with the absolute silence of Scripture on this topic. There is not a word in either testament about praying to saints or praying to Mary specifically. The Bible never instructs us to do such a thing, and it doesn't even passively record another Christian doing it. It is entirely, utterly absent from every page of the New Testament and of the Old. And let me ask you this. What are the odds of this happening if it were true? When you looked at churches around the world that practice this custom, this is a huge, important part of their Christianity. It is a part of their everyday life. Many Christians actually have what's called a rosary, which is a cross with beads on it, and they're supposed to touch one of the beads and say a Hail Mary, which is a prayer to Mary, and then they pray the next bead. Many, many, millions of people around the world are praying to Mary multiple times every single day. And that doesn't even count all the other saints that they pray to throughout the... This is a daily practice. It's not some obscure thing that they do once a year. This is a vital part of their Christian life. And let me ask you this. If it was a vital part of the apostles' life, if it was a crucial part of their teaching, if it was something they did every day and something they taught Christians to do every day, what are the odds that they would forget to ever even briefly mention it in all of the many epistles of the New Testament we have? Can you imagine an Eastern Orthodox saint or Roman Catholic saint writing a book as long as the New Testament and never once even hinting at praying to the saints? It would be on almost every page. The apostles just somehow forgot to ever write down one of the most daily, constant, and important Christian practices. It's incredibly unreasonable. The New Testament is a relatively large book. And yet the apostles, it just totally passed their mind to ever commend or instruct or even mention this alleged daily practice of praying to saints. The scriptures simply do not tell us to do such a thing. And so I reason with you, we shouldn't do it. But by the way, the scripture is more than just silent on the issue. I would argue that we actually have some statements which lead us to the conclusion that scripture condemns such a practice. The closest thing we have to the scriptures addressing praying to the saints is in the context of condemning it. The scriptures condemn what we call the practice of necromancy. And you want to know what necromancy is? Communication with the dead. And what does the Bible say about necromancy? Deuteronomy 18. When you come into the land that the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not learn to follow the abominable practices of those nations. There shall not be found among you anyone who burns his son or his daughter as an offering, anyone who practices divination or tells fortunes or interprets omens, or a sorcerer or a charmer, or a medium or a necromancer, or one who inquires of the dead. For whoever does these things is an abomination to the Lord. And because of these abominations, the Lord your God is driving them out before you. Isaiah 19. And when they say to you, inquire of the mediums and the necromancers, necromancers who chirp and mutter, should not a people inquire of their God? 
Should they inquire of the dead on behalf of the living? Isn't this amazing? What is Isaiah saying? Why are you talking to the dead? Why don't you just talk to God? Isaiah 19, 3, And the spirit of the Egyptians within them will be emptied out, and I will confound their counsel, and they will inquire of the idols and the sorcerers and the mediums and the necromancers. All throughout the Old Testament, communication with the dead is presented as an abominable pagan practice. We have no need to consult the dead. We have no need to speak to them, to pray to them, to talk to them, to ask them anything. So my first point can be summed up like this. Not only do the scriptures not teach us to communicate with the dead, the scriptures forbid us from communication with the dead. The scriptures are utterly silent on this practice. Argument number two, the reason we don't pray to the saints is because praying to the saints is idolatry. In this church, we consider prayer an act of worship. If you pray to someone, you are by definition worshiping them. If you pray to the saints or if you pray to Mary, it therefore follows that you're worshiping Mary and you're worshiping the saints. And I don't think I need to give you any Bible verses to tell you what God thinks of worshiping other gods. It is an act of idolatry. Now you say, well, how is that? Because obviously the people who do this don't think that, right? If you were to ask an Eastern Orthodox or a church of the East or the Assyrian church or Roman Catholics or any of the many churches all around the world who pray to Mary and pray to the saints, if you say, are you worshiping them? Why are you worshiping them? Say, of course we're not worshiping them. They don't think they're worshiping when they pray to the saints. So why is it that we disagree with them? Why do we see prayer as an act of worship? It's, it's oftentimes said, uh, this is something you hear all the time, it's not an act of worship if I were just to go up to Dick and Betty and say, hey, would, hey, would you guys pray for me? I'm not worshiping them. So why can't I go to Mary and say, hey, hey Mary, would you pray for me? How is it any different? This is not an act of worship to simply ask someone to intercede on your behalf. Especially the saints in heaven are in glory. They're more holy and more alive than any of us on earth. So if anything, we should be asking them for their help more than we ask anyone here for help. Right? Is it really an act of worship to pray to the dead? And we say it is. And the reason it is, is because the only way to logically and consistently do it is to ascribe to these people divine attributes. The only way to make the system work is to give the saints abilities that only God has. And when you start ascribing divine qualities to someone, you are now treating them like God. It is an act of worship to say this person who isn't God is God. That's false worship. And even if you don't know you're doing it, you have to do that to pray to the saints. You have to ascribe to them divine characteristics that God alone possesses. Let me just give you a couple practical examples. First, if, if everyone in the world were to agree to this practice, to pray to Mary, then we would be forced to affirm that Mary is omnipresent. What does it mean to be omnipresent? It means to be present in every place. God is omnipresent. There's no way where you can go, the Psalms say, to flee from his spirit. He is everywhere. You can't avoid God. Can you avoid Mary? Is there somewhere where you can go to avoid her? If she is a human being, then the answer to that is yes. Because human beings and even angels are not omnipresent. You can flee from their presence. So let me ask you this. How does Mary... 
hear the prayers of Roman Catholic Mexicans, millions of them, and Eastern Orthodox Russians, and Roman Catholic Italians, and Roman Catholic Americans. Millions of people all around the world at the same time are lifting up prayers. Which one does she hear? If you say all of them, she's everywhere. You've made her God. Mary is a human being. She does not have the capacity to be in every place at one time. And she doesn't really have the intellectual capacity to even keep track of all these prayers. Do you know, I have to write down our family time prayer requests in order to remember them. Can you imagine if I had six billion? Even in glory, Mary does not have the presence or the capacity to be everywhere present keeping track of billions and billions of prayers. When you pray to Mary, you make her God. You say you are present here and everywhere listening to our prayers, but God alone is everywhere present. But it's not just omnipresence. We also have to make her omniscient. She has to know all things. Already hinted at this, at this incredible unhuman ability to keep track of all these prayers. But here's why she also has to be omniscient. She has to know all things. What happens when you don't use your mouth to pray? Have any of you ever prayed without using your mouth? You ever prayed in your heart? Ever prayed in your head? Can the saints hear those? Do the saints know what's in your heart? What happens when you pray to Mary in your heart? The only way for her to hear those is if she's not a human anymore. She has to be God in order to know what's in your heart. If you don't believe me on that, the Bible says it. 1 Kings 8, whatever prayer, whatever plea is made by any man or by all your people Israel, each knowing the affliction of his own heart and stretching out his hand toward this house, then hear in heaven your dwelling place and forgive and act and render to each whose heart you know according to all his ways. For you, you only know the hearts of all the children of mankind. The only being who knows what's in every person's heart is God. Mary doesn't know what's in your heart. That's why you can't pray to her. None of the saints do. So you see, the only way to consistently pray to the saints, the only way to consistently pray to Mary is to make them all-knowing and everywhere present. And once you do that, you've ascribed to them things that are only true of God. So what have you done? You've made them God. And that's called idolatry. It is an act of false, abominable, pagan worship to pray to the dead. But I want us to get to our third reason. I'm, I'm making this the most important reason. All of these are really of equal importance. But for our purposes today, this is our most important reason. The, the third reason why we don't pray to the saints, it's not just because the scriptures don't teach it, not just because it's an act of false worship, because when we pray to the saints, we make them mediators. Praying to the saints makes them mediators. If Mary and the saints are the ones who are bringing our prayers to God and then bringing the grace of God to us, that has officially turned them into mediators between God and men. They are now in heaven functioning as mediators between men and between God. And this is especially true of Mary, who is the chief of all the saints. As a matter of fact, Carl Keating, who's one of the most lucrative, one of the most famous Roman Catholic apologists to ever exist, said this about Mary. Mary is the mediatrix which is just the feminized word of mediator. Mary is the mediatrix of all graces, 
because of her intercession for us in heaven. What this means is that no grace accrues to us without her intercession. By the way, almost every single pope of the later last centuries have essentially said the same thing. They would agree with Carl, Carl Keating. Just one example, Pope Leo XIII would agree with him. He said this of Mary, Every grace granted to man has three degrees in order. For by God, it is communicated to Christ, and from Christ, it passes to the Virgin Mary, and from the Virgin, it descends to us. According to these men, Mary is a mediator. She bestows grace to us, and we pray our prayers to God through her. But let's go back to our text, and let's see how many mediators there are between God and men. 1 Timothy 2. Let's read the whole thing again together, focusing on verse 5. First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, and intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a quiet and peaceful life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. When we pray for the salvation of kings, when we pray for the salvation of all those who are in authority, who should we be praying those prayers through? Through Mary? Through the saints? We pray through the one and only mediator, the God-man, Jesus Christ. Paul could not be more clear, by the way, as to why we only pray through Christ. It helps not those who pray to the saints to say that Christ is the only mediator, but he shares his mediation with others. That's usually what they say, but Christ does not share his mediation. And why not? Because the text compares his sole mediation. What does it compare to? There's one mediator, and what does that compare to in the text? One God. Christ does not share in his mediation any more than God can share in his divinity. We don't have co-gods. There's only one God. There's not co-gods. He doesn't share that divinity with people. So if there's only one God and no co-gods... We can't reason from that that there must be one mediator but a bunch of co-mediators. No, these things are linked. There's one God and not a bunch of co-gods, not a bunch of demigods. Therefore, there's only one mediator, not a bunch of co-mediators, not a bunch of demi-mediators. There's one God, one mediator. In other words, what I'm trying to say, I'm sure you already know and understand, but let me just say it. Christ is the only one qualified to be our mediator. Because he is both God and man. And as the text says in verse 6, what makes him this great mediator? What did he do that Mary did not, cannot, would not ever do for you? Verse 6, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. We pray through Christ Jesus because he's our high priest who died for us. If St. Nicholas didn't die for you, don't pray to him. If Mary didn't offer a ransom for your sins, she's not your high priest, she's not your mediator, so don't pray to her. She is not qualified. And that's not an insult, by the way. <laughs> it's not insulting to say that person isn't Jesus. Jesus needs no assistance. 
He needs no help. He does not have a need or a desire for co-mediators. And this is why we offer our prayers through him and through him alone. Now, let's, let's make it more relevant. Why does this matter? And I say it does matter, especially during Advent. Because praying to the saints, praying to Mary, it distracts us now from Christ. Worse than that, it, it doesn't just distract us from Christ, it robs from Christ. It takes something unique to him, something God bestowed upon him and him alone, and it steals it from him, and it distributes him to all these people we like. It's robbing from the glory of Christ to pray to the saints. So we must realize that Christ's soul intercession is one of the things that makes Christmas so special. Christmas is special because on Christmas night, our mediator was born. The only mediator between God and men was born in Bethlehem. The great and perfect high priest was born. The only one worthy to stand between God and men, the only one through whom any person can come to God, was born on Christmas night. Christ was born to be the bridge to give us access to God. And so this Advent season, we celebrate the birth of the one we can pray to, the one we can invoke, the true one who mediates all the grace of God to us. That's why Christmas is so special. It was the birth of our mediator. And so perhaps a fitting way for us to conclude is to pray to our mediator. But to make it even more fitting, we're not just going to pray to Jesus. We're going to take that opening blasphemous prayer and we're going to focus it on where it needs to be focused. And we're going to make it now about Christ. So in conclusion, would you please pray this prayer with me in your hearts to the mediator who can hear your hearts. Let us pray. Lord Jesus Christ, our perpetual help. You are the dispenser of all the goods which God grants to us miserable sinners. Because you are so powerful, so rich, and so bountiful, you are able to help us in our misery. You are the advocate of the most wretched and abandoned sinners who have recourse to you. Come then now to our help, for we recommend ourselves to you. In your hands we place our eternal salvation, and to you do we entrust our souls. Count us among your most devoted servants. Take us under your protection, and it is enough for us. For if you protect us, we fear nothing. Not from our sins, because you have obtained for us the pardon of them. Nor from the devils, because you are more powerful than all of hell together. Nor from the wrath of God, because by your offering... Divine justice has been appeased. Help us that we may never in the hour of temptation neglect to call on you. For you have obtained for us the pardon of our sins, love for the Father, final perseverance, and the grace always to have recourse to you, our Lord and great High Priest, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Amen. Amen.